It's simply not true. The heroes are black, white, Indian and colored South Africans who stood up for the rule of law. The president himself called those South Africans heroes. Why didn't you, put up, that post, why didn't you put up that poster up in Soweto where, the, where last September was Be- protecting Because Mapenya it's more. a KZN campaign and KZN are running that, that particular issue. Why put it in Phoenix? Because it further fuels racial tension. Yeah. It's going to be going up in places around Durban. But let me just tell Why don't you put it up in Soweto? Can I just finish the point and ask the question you asked me originally, if I may? The real racists here, and the real people who've got a problem with race, are the ANC and the EFF, because they target it. Let me tell you, I have yes. went and sat with black families who had lost loved ones. I went and sat with Indian families who lost loved ones. The pain and hurt was on both sides, but when you try and paint it that it was only one-sided or only one particular race group was targeted and another wasn't, you start to create a huge problem and a racial divide there. What happened in Phoenix was unacceptable. Any crime and criminality that resulted from either vigilantism or looting is condemned in the strongest possible term. But what I don't think is acceptable is to see the racial scapegoating that's happening and the targeting of Indian South Africans by the police minister, by others, and singling them out and saying that they're bloodthirsty and they're racist. They are good men and women of peace in Phoenix, and we saw that during those particular, uh, that particular unrest. Give me a figure of how many black people are butchered racially in Phoenix. I don't know what the, what the figure is. How but many I, Indian people are butchered in There was around 30 people that were, but that you know were killed. Indian people, you don't know black people. No, no I don't. I said there was 30. The cumulative number was about 30. And I'm not sure what the, what the breakdown was, but any loss of life, whether it's an Indian or black South African or a white South African, is a loss of life too many. And we shouldn't be trying to put value on one life over another. We put up the posters because we wanted to make it very, very clear that we're not going to allow racial scapegoating to happen in South Africa and that we respect all South Africans who stand on the side of law and order and standing up for their communities. Never once have I said or praised anybody involved in any crime or criminal. I've been very, very clear right from the beginning. Anyone involved in crime, anyone involved in vigilantism, anyone involved in looting is part of the problem. The solution is South Africans standing up and standing together to fight the scourge of crime. I'm never going to apologize for calling ordinary South Africans who stand up for law and order, who protect the rule of law, and who are on the side of right. I'm never going to apologize for calling them heroes. They are heroes, whether they be black, White, Indian or colored, as we saw during those, uh, those terrible days in KwaZulu-Natal, they are the heroes because they stepped up when government stepped away. And they are heroes. And that was DA leader John Stienazen engaging journalists um, outside uh, the Gallagher Convention Centre in Midrand earlier this morning. So for more on all of this, we join on the line by political analyst Angelo Fick. Angelo, good afternoon. Thanks for speaking to us. Good afternoon to you from the Asri offices in Park Town. Angela, <laughs> good to locate you. So, Angelo, firstly, let's start with the DA. Is there a problem with those posters? I think the posters are in poor taste um, and are exploiting a certain kind of pain. Uh, that people may feel in communities riven by division and that have still yet to fully recover, if such recovery is possible, from the eruptions of violence and disharmony that happened in the middle of this year. I think it is really odd for a political party that wants to and says it wants to govern inclusively to continue to harp on these divisions in these stark times. I think they're meant to be provocative. I don't think the Democratic Alliance campaign did this accidentally. They knew full well, they must have known full well what the consequence would be. The provocation is the kind of politics that we can expect 
um, increasingly in contemporary South Africa. So we heard John Stiernason saying that um, the, he will not, the DA will not apologize for putting up those posters. Are they justified in their reasoning uh, as he uh, outlined it for putting up those posters? So, well, my understanding is he's a, he says he won't apologize for calling people heroes which is a very nice sleight of hand that is typical of politicians the world over, of changing the terms onto their terrain rather than the question that they've asked. Um, my concern is that his explanation is very much steeped in a 1950s South African identity debate. The Population Registration Act categories feature repeatedly in his explanation and he wants to include everybody rather than speak to the specifics of that particular situation in Phoenix. So he mentions the four categories of the Population Registration Act, blacks, Indian, coloreds, and whites. Um, but actually, there are very specific tensions inside um, communities in KwaZulu-Natal. There are very specific issues of class as well as race um, in Phoenix that have to be addressed. Um, if we are to make meaningful sense of that situation, if we are to address the people of those communities in ways that will be politically productive rather than just party politicking. And in that sense, I'm, I would have expected, not expected, but I would have wanted more from Mr. Stiernason or from anybody who wanted to take on um, the grievances of the Phoenix community than merely what Ndebulu and Debele three decades ago called sloganeering and pamphleteering of politics and life in general. Uh, it will probably become a really provocative thing to have done. People will look back at this and they will see this possibly as having given them traction and discussion points and they've been in the media. But my concern is, will the community benefit from these kinds of provoking actions that may make the political party get more airtime that doesn't address the issues that that community has been facing prior to the violence of July and will continue to have to address through that violence and now in the wake of that violence. And what do these posters say about the DA, uh, Angelo? You know, obviously they are trying to win over more voters, but what does it ultimately say about the party? My sort of reading of the posters is that if you look at them as text, if you look at them as acts of signing to the world forms of communication, is that they're meant to provoke, and not necessarily provoke you into thinking, but provoke you into either accepting the premises or into rejecting the premises that you can oppose racists and heroes, that heroes are not racists and racists are not heroes, that those kinds of oppositions might, again, as I said earlier, go well in a sloganeering campaign, but the consequences of such acts for the people who are now read and subjected to them, so now there are people who have to identify in one of these two categories, um, that's really unfortunate because if you wish to speak to voters, you speak to them about the issues in terms that they may wish to use, and it may also be productive for them to not only understand their terms, but to change them. And my sense is that those posters are not empowering to community members. They're, they're, they're drawing lines in sand and polarize people in a way that an inclusive politics in the most divided society in the world, the most unequal society in the world, really is, is not a good way to go. Um, and, and I say this with due understanding that in political season, where we're really trying to get people to vote for you. But we must be careful that our electioneering does not continue to and exacerbate existing divisions instead of 
fixing those divisions. Local government legislation, after all, was established to undo the spatial logics and dynamics of apartheid and colonialism. It would be tragic if we simply used local government elections to not only continue the rhetoric of apartheid, um, but also the kind of underhanded and violating techniques of colonialism and apartheid which is not to create communities, but to divide people along lines that can so very easily be erased by asking people to think of what they have in common rather than what divides them. Mm. Um, Stienason also makes the point, Angelo, that uh, the ANC, the EFF, they've been in that area previously, and um, some of what they may have said, uh, what posters may have been carried there, could have also contained some uh, racial undertones or be outright racist. Are the DA getting, you know, uh, just the raw end of the stick here? Are we more lenient towards other parties than we are towards the DA when it comes to this type of behavior? That might very well be the DA's view. I'm certainly not somebody who has any leniency for any political party whatsoever. Um, My position is that when people make remarks in the name of politics and electioneering that is, one, a violation of the electoral code, or two, a violation of the ethical code and social contract by which we live in South Africa, we should call out, we should call them out. So when politicians go into communities and call members of opposition parties witches, I read that as, in South African legislation, you know, calling people to act violently because it is agitation for violence as founded by 1959 legal case. So my sense is that political parties will always claim victimhood when they're called out on their conduct, and sometimes it's misconduct, and sometimes it's simply a difference of view that needs to be aired because we're a society in which debate is healthy. And I think political parties, plural, and this includes the EFS, Action SA, the African National Congress, COPE, the IFP, all of them should learn to take criticism and respond to it, not defensively, but thinkingly, reflexively, because often the criticism is not just an attack on the party. It is an attempt by people to build, shall we say, more coherent communities that are far more stable and an attempt to make South Africans see what they have in common rather than what um, divides them. Because in the end, the politics division hasn't really brought us very much over the last 30 years. And we need to begin to think of the politics of what we have in common, and political parties need to be told that they should speak to us as people who have things in common. Service delivery affects all of us, regardless of which Population Registration Act category we think we fall into. Um, you know, issues of safety and violation affect all of us, and in fact affect women more than men. And it's interesting that political parties often don't look at the real divisions, but continue to use these phantasmatic 1950s divisions of race rather than the actual divisions of class, gender, sexuality, rural and urban, peri-urban and urban, suburban and urban, that really show you divisions in this country. And just finally, Angela, with regard to Action SA and uh, the latest development there, we heard them say that they're going full steam ahead. Uh, what do you make of this whole, um, uh, you know, tug of war between them and uh, the Electoral Commission? We have all filled out forms, and when we fill out forms, we tend to be very careful about how we fill out forms. And some of us are paranoid and tend to check very much with the people for whom we're filling out the forms that we are correct and that we are understand certain things in the ways that they need to be. Um, we've all had these fights with banks. We've all had these fights with corporations. It is interesting that a party 
that wants to represent people's interests and say it wants to do so efficiently, more efficiently than other parties, uh, is using its own, let's be clear, gas um, on its form filling in 2020 as a defense. And, you know, there is something to be said about admitting one's error and asking for leniency and the kind of posturing that we see from political parties, which shows that many political parties, and Action SA may be one of them, really are very much interested in power and not necessarily interested in inclusive, dignified politics. Because, again, we all make mistakes, and the test of our mettle is whether or not we admit to those mistakes and ask for leniency to correct the mistakes, or whether we posture and suggest that we're personally or organizationally victimized. And my sense is that the gaps are certainly there on the form on the part of Action SA, and they should have approached the IEC in time, and they were not the only party that made this particular error. According to the IEC, there were several other parties that also didn't do what the IEC, what the Action SA people didn't do. And so, again, our politicians need to begin to learn that these kind of loud, aggressive postures and threats, not the way in which we want to have a post-conflict society's politics run, because it sets the tone and you can't then have political leaders going to communities and say, they must solve their crises and internecine problems in ways that are not violent, violating and aggressive, but should resolve them um, in amicable and, and far more, shall we say, humane and human ways. And that, I think, is a call to all political parties that in a society with the divisions we have, we can ill afford to have further divisions, greater rhetoric of, of division and violence, and really should begin to, shall we say, demasculinize politics. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Uh, political analyst uh, Angelo Fick.